Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it too. Stand up with me. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to open up your Bibles, jump to Galatians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. That's where we'll begin. We're so glad that you guys are here. On behalf of Pastor Mike and Carrie and the church and our staff, we want to first take time to say thank you for everyone who has given so much for our freedom. Thank you to all the first responders, the military, people who run towards the fight so that some of us can run from the fight. (laughs) And we appreciate you guys so much and we recognize that. Thank you to all who have lost so much so we could have so much. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26, we're going to continue the Holy Spirit series. And we believe that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? We were at youth camp and a young man was in our bunk and uh, we were having our devotion time at night. And he said one of the things that he hadn't done before that he did that night is they kind of gave like a second altar call. I guess at Pentecostal camps you have to have four or five altar calls making sure we get everybody. You know what I mean? It's all right. Some people change their mind. But they called another kind of a second wave, if you will. And he said, I went up to the front and I hit my knees and I raised my hands. And I said, have you ever done that before? And he goes, no. I said, do you know why you did that? He goes, no. I said, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I said, you experience freedom tonight, young man. And that's what we're here to do. The holy where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, now here, Paul is writing to his friends, um, the Galatians, and he just gets through the fruit of the Spirit. So he works his way through. This is how you know that the Spirit of God is on your life. And he, he ends that section with these two verses. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. We're excited to be in your presence. Speak to our hearts, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everyone says, amen, amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated if you would. Wave at your neighbor. Let them know you're glad that they're here. Say, well, why not? Everybody's at the lake today. You're right here with me. Whatever device you're streaming by, wherever you're streaming, eat an extra hamburger for us today if you're out at the lake. We love you guys, really we do, really we do. We see here Paul is writing to his friends and and he's letting them know that, listen, this is a process. One of the things that we truly, truly believe here at Ray of Hope is that this thing is a process. Yes, salvation happens in an instant and Christ comes into our heart, but learning some of the stuff that we need to learn takes time. Can I get an amen on that? Yes, yes. Paul here, the story doesn't change. That's how you know good teachers, because the story don't change. I caught a fish this big, you know? Story doesn't change here for Paul. Same thing. He goes, listen, if we're going to live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. There's a rhythm. There's a way of doing this. There's a process. I know the Spirit of God better today than I did yesterday, and hopefully I'll know Him better tomorrow than I will today, because I want to keep in step, because He's got great things for my life, right? Yeah, the Spirit of God absolutely does. So we want to, as we're we're thinking about today, the roadmap is simple. What the Spirit wants to do in our life and what are some red flags, some markers in our life where we know that the Spirit of God is moving. And we're going to use a little bit in in Acts chapter 4 to help us get there. But in order to get there, let's read the rest of that verse. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. 
Paul is saying, listen, lay those silly things aside that would keep you from being in step with the Holy Spirit. Because the most important thing that we can do is be in step with the Spirit of God. Where he goes, I want to go. What he says, I want to say. What God tells me to do, I want to do. And the Spirit of God will illuminate my heart and let me understand that. But we've got to be willing to set some things aside. These little things that so easily beset us is how the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews put it. Hey, I almost tripped over that. How the writer of Hebrews put it. The year is 1775. The date is April 19th. Now, to set up a little bit of context, in April 18th, 1975, or 1775, we see Paul Revere doing his famous ride as he rides through the countryside. The British are coming. The British are coming. The British are coming. Sure enough, the British were coming. The battles of Lexington and Concord were just about to be fought. April 19th. British troops arrive in Lexington, and what they meet is 77 Minutemen. Now, these were, these were men that were called up. They dropped their farming utensils. They, they, they put their tanning hides down, they, what, their blacksmith, whatever it was. They, they put all that stuff to the side, and they showed up, and they began to fight. They were the Minutemen Militia, and the reason why they had that name is because at a moment's notice, they were called to assemble. The British were coming, and on the green in Lexington... They found 77 Minutemen, and here come 700 British troops. That was a small skirmish. I believe eight Minutemen lost their lives, nine were wounded. Only one British troop was wounded. Obeying the commander, the the Minutemen heard this, disperse! And they knew because it was 77 to 700. That's not very good odds, right? But then they regrouped, of course, in Concord. And many believe that Concord was really the first shot that rang out for the American Revolution. For what we're experiencing today, it was the freedom that was the first shot. They go through the towns, and on their way, they're stealing guns. The British are burning things. They're, they're doing whatever's necessary to, to, to put this to a stop because they're going to make a statement. But what they find in Concord is 2,000 Minutemen ready to go to battle. They're by the North Bridge, Ralph Emerson, in his poem, The Concord Hymn, put it like this. It was the shot that was heard around the world. I know that many of you have heard that before. It was the shot that was heard around the world. It was the first shot that rang out that meant we're taking a stance and we're not going to take any more of this. It was the first shot that rang out that brought, brought men and women to the point that they said that today is the day that we start. It's going to change. We say yes to freedom and no to tyranny. They chased the British back up through Boston. And and what they learned in that day was so significant because they had put so many things to the side that that was in the moment that was important. Their livelihoods, their family, they had to leave all that. All this stuff that brought them satisfaction in the moment. They had to lay that down to go fight for something greater in the future. They had to fight for freedom for their kids and freedom for their grandkids and freedom for family that they had not yet met. But they knew that it would be worth it. They chased them back through Boston. And what they learned that day was one simple thing. And it's interesting when you read the story because it wasn't that they were really that great of fighters. They chased them either 13 or 18 miles. And they only killed 250 of them. You're ringing out bullets for 13 to 18 miles. You need to be hitting a little bit more than that. (laughs) <laughs> but these guys are farmers. I mean, they're not sharpshooters. They don't do this for a living. 
They've just had this passion and desire to wind up with inside of them and say, I'm going to go do something because I know that I can. But they pushed all that momentary stuff to the side and said, I'm going to push my satisfaction to the side because I know that there's something greater. And on that day, that's what we see and that's what we find out. Is that they learned on that day because of the spirit that was inside of them, that fighting spirit that was inside of them, they could chase and engage the strongest army that they knew at that time. The spirit that lies within inside of you. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit that you already know probably. It is the spirit of God that's inside of us that helps us fight the greatest evil on earth, our enemy. It helps us fight our flesh. When our flesh wants to do things that we know is going to lead to destruction, the Holy Spirit encourages us and strengthens us, and it helps us fight the world that just wants to pile things on us and bring us down. But we got to be willing to set things aside. Luke chapter 12 does a wonderful story about this. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And it's one of the most famous stories. He goes, why, why are you worried about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what tomorrow will bring? you got to worry about today. And he says the famous words that so resonate with so many of us. If it doesn't resonate with us, it'll resonate with us because of family members that we see struggle. Don't be anxious. Don't have anxiety. Ooh. Don't be worried about what you're going to eat tomorrow, what you're going to drink, and, and what Christ was saying to anybody who would listen, even as we read it, is listen, there's enough things to worry about. Don't worry about those things. You just worry about what I'm telling you to do. 1231, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, then these things will be added unto you. What was he saying? you got to set these things aside, and I want you to get in step with me. I want you to get in line with me, because these things that we don't set aside can steal our attention, can steal our victory, can steal the things that God wants to do in our life. And since we are a New Testament church, we believe in the Holy Spirit, that it guides us, that it comforts us, that it leads us. We believe it, and we see that. But he was saying, listen, you can't be anxious. You can't let all this other stuff corrode your mind and your way of thinking. You gotta care about what's more, you gotta care more for what's to come than what you live in right now. So I'm looking at Acts chapter four and this story begins to resonate in my spirit because we're looking at now the apostle Peter and the apostle John. Many of you guys are familiar with the story that leads up to Acts chapter four, the, 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 the layman, the beggar that's healed. For 40 years, he couldn't walk. It was one of those miracles that were absolutely undeniable. We know this was not staged. It's that famous story where they walk by and they see him laying by the gate, beautiful, and they say, silver and gold have I none, but that such that I do, rise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. And he's healed. Well, that begins to annoy people. Isn't that weird? You would think if you're helping people... <laughs> But for selfish people, when they get the attention turned off of them, when the devil gets the attention turned off of him and onto Christ, you better be thinking there's going to be some battles coming your way. So they get arrested, and they're brought before the council, and all they've done is allowed the Spirit of God to work through them to heal somebody. Things we have to realize is that just because things aren't going our way doesn't mean we're still not operating in the Spirit of God. Right? And we can, well, things are going wrong. Is the Spirit of God still operating my life? Yes. Yes, it is most of the time. What's happening is God is taking you to that next level. He's getting you set up for that breakthrough. And Satan and your flesh and the world that wants to pull you down is trying to get you distracted. And God is saying, enough, go forward. I want you to go forward. Because that's what the Spirit of God does. 
I was sharing a devotion a couple weeks ago, and I know it's kind of silly, but it makes a lot of sense. Two-thirds of God's name is go. So, you know, I know that you've heard that, and some of you guys, that's such a lame joke. I know, I know, but it means so much to me. Remember, he wants us to go forward, and we go forward in the Spirit of God. So as we look at this, what are some things that we see, some flags in our life as I look into the story? So let's pick this story apart. Let's just read it together and let's pick it apart because we know that the Spirit of God was in John and Peter's life. Now their circumstances were super weird. Here they are allowing God to use them and all of a sudden they're in front of like a tribunal (laughs) that's basically telling them that, you know, you're not who you are and all this other type of stuff. And you're thinking, wow, did they do something wrong? No, they did something right. But the other spirit, the evil spirit, is controlling some other folks and causing them great opposition. So here as we dig in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, we won't read it, but I want you guys to know that some people were greatly annoyed. They they were arrested. 5,000 people were still added to the church. So there's been some people pulled away from Judaism and into Christianity that Christ is the Messiah. He is the one that we've looked for. The Holy Spirit is real and can work in our lives, and it annoyed people. So they arrest them, and they pull them in. And as I look in Scripture here, Acts chapter 4, verses 5 and 7, if we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, we have to be willing to step in faith. We have to be willing to step with faith. Very easy, absolutely, but walking in faith is not always easy because I've got to go to some places I've never been. I've got to do some things I've never done, and it does not most of the time come with an instruction booklet. Not that most of us would look at it anyways. Right? Yeah, some of us guys, we put together a desk. Did you ever look at the instruction booklet? No, didn't. (laughs) That's the reason why one leg was lopsided. No, no, that's not the reason. They built it, it came like that. No, it didn't come that ugly. That was all us, okay? But the instruction booklet, it doesn't always come with that, but we have to step in faith. Here, Acts chapter 4, verses 5. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priest family. And when they had sat with them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this in? See, they're trying to understand it on a, on, a, on, on a carnal level. They're trying to understand it with a natural mind. They're trying to say, whose teaching did you do this in or by what power? They're not having any of it that the Holy Spirit could work through man and do miracle signs and wonders. And in our life, we must step in faith. God is calling you to something that's scary. Around here, right now, it's not scary, but right now something that's really testing a lot of our faith and we're believing God for is Hope Academy. We're believing that God is going to do something amazing and we're going to be able to to reach our community. So we're in the boat with you. So if you're thinking, man, God's calling me to this. I'm not sure. I don't know how I can do it. Welcome to the party, my friend. God's getting ready to do something great through you. But we have to step in faith. We have to keep stepping and saying, God, I don't understand it. I don't know. And I won't always try to figure out with my mind. We have to be okay with unanswered questions. We have to be okay with unanswered questions. I don't have all the answers, but I need to keep going. Think about how how we would lack in medical advancements if because doctors and scientists didn't have the answers they needed, they just quit. No, they rolled on to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. And with faith, we can't pull back. We walk in 
face. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things, uh, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. As he is writing this in the context, what he's letting everybody know is he goes back over what the crucifixion meant, that salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. These things that we as Christians say, well, that's simple. That's because we've put on the mind of Christ, the spiritual mind, and saying, God, I'm going to spiritually discern these and know that you were the supreme sacrifice, that the wholeness that I needed, the spirit that I needed was all accomplished when you said, it is finished. That's what I, I, I found it there. You, you made it complete there. But I have to be willing to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, and it's going to take faith. I'll walk forward. Now, this is the thing, though. Questions, questions can cause division. Questions can cause division, and, and we see that. Whenever you search too hard for the answer, and I'm not saying stuff in the biblical terms, but God, unless you just show me a direct path, then I'm not doing it. Well, that's limiting God. Before I moved down here, Mary and I were in Wichita Falls, and we felt the call to come home, and it was before we even knew there was a ray of hope. And I was talking to a gentleman named Jim Montgomery. Jim Montgomery taught special education for 20 years. Before that, he was 17 years involved in the church, had a Master's of Divinity, which is a 90-hour degree. I mean, he knew a lot about the Word of God. After his church, after his church occupation, he decided to go into full-time teaching. And I was sitting down and talking to him, and we had many discussions about the Word of God. And he had taught me about a lot of things about the depths of, the God, of, of, the depths of God and understanding the Spirit and the Word of God. And before I moved down here, I asked him, I said, what do you think I should do? Have you ever just been looking for direction? And I would tell him, I feel like the Spirit of God is opening up this door and doing this. And I would plug him, hoping that he would give me some magical scripture that would just make my insides feel all good. Just make me feel good. You know, speak a word of knowledge. Right now would be a great time. Well, there's lots of words of knowledge in the Bible. Just, you know? And I was looking for that. And finally, he looked at me one day. He said, Matt, he said, I know that you want me to speak something to you. I know that you want me to bring you to this magical place where you come to it. He said, but this is what it comes down to. You either trust God or you don't trust God. He said, let me flatline it for you. He said, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, then you trust him or you don't trust him. Guess what? Question time was over. <laughs> he pretty much solved it all up. But we have questions and we walk in faith. We trust him. But with that comes division. Check out this next scripture here. Check out this next scripture. So we, we, have, to, we have to step. If we're going to step with the, um, if we're going to step with the Spirit, we not only step in faith, but unity is a part of the Holy Spirit. We need to step into unity. Okay? So many things in our country right now for us to be divided on. So many different things. We can be hate. We can be haters. We can be hated. We can be nasty. We can be ugly. And we've got to be careful that we still walk in unity. Now, we base that knowing that there's biblical beliefs, beliefs in the Bible that we're not going to waver from. I understand that. But not everything is a heaven and hell issue. And there's plenty of things to be divided on out there, okay? Acts chapter 4, verse 10. Now remember the question they ask, whose name or what power? That's an or, it's not an and. Whose name or what power did you do this from? 
Acts chapter 4 and 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of, peop- of the people and elders, if, you are, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you've crucified, whom God, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. They were trying to discern it in the natural mind. Now, you can't really blame them for that because in their teaching society, their authority came from who taught them. So I can speak of the authority of the, of the word because so-and-so taught me and so-and-so and taught him and so-and-so taught him. But they also knew that there was some of that black magic, some of that weird, dark power out there. They would have been, you know, soothsayers and things like that. They would have understood that. But here in this scripture, it shows us the unity. I love it. It says, Peter being filled with what? The Holy Spirit. And what did he preach? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And where was Jesus Christ from? God. You see the unity in that scripture? The word brings us back where people want to divide and separate and begin to isolate. That was not how it was meant to be. If we're going to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, we get in unity. Yeah, we can't agree on everything, but we make every effort that we can to live peaceably. We work together, we honor each other, we do these things. And scripture here is showing us where these men were carnal thinking and wanted to pull this out and pluck this out and separate this. I love it because Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that scripture was written by the Holy Spirit that came upon men of old and they were inspired and it was written by the hand of God. So we have to believe that Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit at this moment, at this time, he was infused by God to say what he needed to say. And Scripture lets us know that he didn't do it by himself, that he preached Jesus Christ because the Spirit of the living God was inside of him. And if anybody preaches anything else and they come to you and say the Holy Spirit taught me, it did not because the Spirit of the living God will preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. But we got to be willing to walk in unity. And when we get our theology correct, <laughs> it's a lot easier to walk in unity. Right. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I just guess I needed a good yell there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we got to get out of that carnal mindset and we say, listen, we got to walk in unity. we got to fight for unity. Right. We don't try to separate things too far out. We get in muddy water. As we continue here, we see that if we're going to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, we see that we must step with honor. We must step with honor. Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Then Jesus is the stone that, the, uh, Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which have become the cornerstone. Let me read it out of here. Then this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which have become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men which must be saved. The Holy Spirit is speaking through Peter and he's bringing these guys to a place of honor. And he says, you guys' problem is you haven't honored Christ. He is the stone that the builders rejected. That you rejected. And this is the interesting thing that we know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give us what to speak at the time that we need to speak it. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So we know that's what the Holy Spirit does. 
Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, looks at these guys, and he takes them to school, man. He remembers what Christ taught. Christ taught this, Matthew chapter 21, verse 42. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? You gotta love Jesus, man. I mean, he cuts to the heart. He's looking at these guys, and all they've done is study the scriptures, and he's like, haven't you ever read them for real, though? I mean, you probably glanced over them, but do you really know them? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And you gotta love Peter, because him being filled with the Holy Spirit begins to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ. He begins to say, listen, you guys rejected him. You guys won't say yes to him. And then he goes back, almost like a double dipping, and he goes back and he goes, remember what Christ said? And Christ was, was uh, talking out of the Old Testament anyways. So they could not deny that that what Peter was saying in that moment was absolute truth. Why was it absolute truth? Because Peter was honoring Christ. When we walk in the Spirit of God, our number one thing is what we're doing, does it honor Christ? If our attitudes don't, if our emotions don't, if what we're a part of doesn't, it's not the Spirit of God. Because it honors Christ. As you're walking forward and you're asking Spirit of the living God, I want to be like Daniel. I want your spirit to be so alive in me, God, that I don't have to tell everybody I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. People will look at me and say, that man's got the Spirit of God. That woman's got the Spirit of God on their life. Let me live like that. Let's live in honor. Because when we step in honor, and we can't get ridiculous about it. Okay, everybody likes the occasional um, you know, uh, slap on the back and good job but we can't get ridiculous about it. Now, when it comes to Jesus Christ, I don't think there is any ridiculous. Let's just lavish it upon him because you reap what you sow, okay? So let's put it on him. But whenever we're trying to live in unity and peacefully among each other and we honor each other, we honor the positions and we do the very best that we can. And here in scripture, we see that honor goes a long way. It's Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. What do we learn? Words said in the right place at the right time can build up and can increase what's already good. But that also means our actions. So whenever we bring honor in the right place at the right time, it can make a situation even better than it was before. It can take a good situation and turn it to great. It can take a great situation and turn it to extraordinary. I wouldn't mind having some silver laying around my house. <laughs> I would really love some gold, right? That's like the price of gas. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have two or three of those bars laying around. But that's what it's saying here, that whenever we bring honor, it makes the situation better. And that's what we're here to do. As Christians, we're here to make situations better. Now, it's not always uh, received as that, is it? You're just telling me what to do. No, I'm trying to save you money and time and anger and frustration and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But remember, at a fit time, it means so much more. So we want to make sure we keep in step. Corinthians 2 and 10. These things God has revealed to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Honor, whenever we're stepping in honor, we're bringing ourselves to Christ and saying, your way, not my way. And what that does is that opens us up to the deep things of where Christ really wants to take us. But I can promise you, the Spirit of God can't take you to a place that you're not willing to show honor because God's name will not be discredited. So we bring honor. And then what we see is the deep places of God will begin to open up and blessings will begin to be thrown on our life. As we continue here, we see that if we're gonna step with the Holy Spirit, we have to step with boldness. Step with boldness. Now, Let's read scripture here. <laughs> because boldness is not yelling really loud. 
you know, or hitting people over the head. That's not boldness. Okay, that could be called stupidity, okay? All right, not one laugh. Come on, help me out, guys. Okay, step with boldness. Acts chapter four, verse 13. Now, when he, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, Peter and John didn't say, I'm a bold Christian. They saw the boldness because of their actions and perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Boldness is always linked back to who? Christ. That's what, it's not boldness that I find within myself. Boldness is not only starting the job. Boldness is not only starting the marriage. Boldness is not only starting the relationship. Boldness is keeping those same values throughout that situation. So if I'm gonna plant a business and I'm asking God's um, blessing on it, the same way that I take care of my coin at the beginning of the business is the same way I honor God with my coin at the end of the business. The same way that I say that I'm gonna honor God at the beginning of my marriage is the same way I'm gonna honor God throughout my marriage. And for our single people out here, the way that you start that dating relationship, keep that godly relationship throughout the dating until marriage. That's true boldness. Saying, I know the world is telling me to shack up. I know the world is telling me to try each other out and do all these things. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the Bible says to do this. That's true boldness. Because people are going to be shouting in your face and people are going to be saying, no, if you cut this corner or you do this or you have every right to be mad at your spouse and you have every right to leave them and you have every right to have better, but you dig your heels in the ground and say with boldness I proclaim the word of God over this situation and the spirit of God is alive in my heart and I will trust him and I will lean in. That's true boldness. True boldness is standing before this council as John and Peter are. And unlike me, they're not raising their voice. <laughs> they're not raising their voice. But the Spirit of God is on them, and people can tell. People can tell. They're looking at that boldness, and they're saying, wow, these people are for real. The Spirit of God has been working in their life. To step in the Spirit is to step in boldness. And we've got to make a decision that we're going to do it regardless of what the world throws at us. And that's very difficult. Because it's a lot easier to say I'm willing to lose stuff than when that stuff is actually coming up and I've got to lose it. When that promotion comes up and it wasn't earned the right way and you've got to step back and decline it. Maybe that gift or reward, as Daniel said, you can have your rewards, you can have your gifts. I'm only going to do what God told me to do. That's true boldness, knowing that he will provide regardless. True boldness, we step in boldness because it always points back to Christ. To really step in the boldness, just a couple things. You can control our emotions, control thoughts. Whatever we start, we finish. And in the midst of that, don't complain. The amazing thing about Peter and John is they were in control of their emotions. You can't tell me that they weren't scared. I mean, think about this emotional roller coaster. This guy had been lame for 40 years and he's healed. Silver and gold have I none, but that that I do, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Arise and walk. Just a little while later, now all of a sudden I'm behind bars looking at who knows what kind of persecution is about to happen. We know because we read the story, but they don't know their conversation on the other side of the door. They're just standing there and saying, God, regardless of what's on behind door number one, we're going to stand bold for you. And that is scary. It's not always the absence of fear. It's that I'm going to go through it regardless of fear. I'm going to make it through we step in boldness. We control our thoughts. God, we take every thought captive and then we finish. 
It's going to get hard. It's going to get tough. You can, you can expect adversity. But remember that breakthrough, what's on the other side of that is greater than what you're laying down in that moment. Thank God we had men and women throughout the years who laid down their life. Who, who left, who in, in just World War II alone, they, they would leave their children at eight years old and come back and they would be teenagers. They missed four years of their life. Lives cut short, so much was given so that we could experience the freedom that we have today. And that's true boldness. It's true boldness here with Peter and John as they walk forward that we're going to finish what we started and don't complain. It's so hard not to complain sometimes, isn't it? Especially when somebody will listen to you complain. That's even easier, you know? Or you just make up a deal. I'm going to listen to you complain. If you listen to me complain, we'll both complain. <laughs> sometimes you need those uh, event sessions, don't you? But we've got to be careful in the midst of that, that God, I'm going to walk with boldness. I'm going to trust you. And true trust in you is true boldness. As we continue here, we see that being in step with the Holy Spirit, we read on, we have to step with truth. In a world today, it's so easy to bend the truth. Matter of fact, they're so bold about it now, they don't even care about the truth. You know, just tell me what makes me feel good, what makes you feel good, and we'll all live happily ever after. Acts chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them. So the man that was healed is now beside John and Peter. They had nothing to say in opposition. It's amazing. Relying on the Spirit, it'll close the mouth of the opposition. Well, how do you know that? Because it closed the mouth of the lions, and the lions were there to devour. And it says our enemy is as a roaring lion lion that wants to devour us. So when people come up against us, when the Spirit of the devil is on them, you can expect it to devour you. But God will shut their mouth, and they could not say anything in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them, it is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. The Spirit of God was working. All right. But he said this notable sign but you have to step in truth. And here we see that they have the man beside them. And what is the spirit of the living God doing? It's causing those men to look at truth. It's causing them to confront truth that the spirit of God really did this and not these men. Now, this is the thing that we learn from that. As we walk around with the spirit of God on our life, it's gonna cause people to confront some things. And we need to be ready for their behavior because their behavior won't always be nice. Their behavior won't always be kind. Their words won't always be uplifting. Because for some, they've never encountered truth in their life and now they're just now doing that. For others, God's been, God's been working on them through convincing them of their sin and conviction. And they're so worn out because they've been fighting it and fighting it that they're just about to get to that breakthrough of salvation or surrender to whatever that God has them to surrender to. But in our lives too, it's the same thing. God will convict us. What we can learn is God that wants to confront front us with some stuff in our life. And we have to be ready and willing to say, God, whatever you confront, whatever you call me to confront in my life, whatever you call me to look into in my life, I will change. Because I know whatever I have to lay aside right now is momentary compared to what you have for me. The breakthrough on the other side of this deal, this eternal thing where I get to cast my crowns at your feet. When everything will be judged through fire and I don't want it to burn up. Because you're worthy of it. 
But in order to do that, we confront truth. What's God asking us to change? What is he asking us to keep doing? What is he saying? Hey, listen, you've got to grow up and mature. God never leads us, or leaves us where we're at. He constantly wants us to push us forward. That's the reason why it says the deep things of God. That way we can get deeper into God and understanding the Holy Spirit on our life. But if we're going to confront, if we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, we have to confront truth. We have to confront those things in our life. John chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because we did not believe in me. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning their sin. Another translation says that he will convince the world of their sin. That is a heavy statement whenever you're looking toe-to-toe, eye-in-the-eye in the mirror and saying, it's not their fault, it's not their fault, it's not those people's fault, it's my fault. This is my sin, and I've got to deal with it but I've got to face the truth in my life of what God is asking me to deal with. But if I'm going to be walking in step with the Spirit, what truth do I need to say yes to? These men on the other side, they never got to experience that because they would not. Truth was staring them in the face, literally. And they knew that they could not deny it because their hearts were so prideful and so hard, they rejected Christ again. Even though he was convincing them, they still pushed it away. And this is where, I, this is where I, I stop here. If we're going to be in step with the Holy Spirit, we have to be in step with grace. We have to be in grace. Check this out, Acts chapter 4, verses 17 through 20. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak what we've seen and what we've heard. And if you've ever understood the Spirit of God in your life, He speaks some things and the Spirit of God reveals some things to us. And trust me, you can't help but tell everyone you know what God is doing in your life. But as we look into this passage, the Holy Spirit is moving and we see that grace is revealed. Peter and John doesn't start yelling. They don't start picketing or rioting or anything like that. What they do instead, they said, listen, do to us what you have to do, but know that we're gonna tell people about Jesus Christ. And the, 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 the ironic picture is this, that they're receiving the grace of Christ in their life and spreading the grace of Christ. And in that moment, as they look at those leaders, they're trying to get them to accept it with everything they have, and they continue to reject it. And it's very much so the same in our life. We can either accept the grace of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion on the cross, raising three days later, or we can reject it. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but I know I had to come to a decision in my life where I said, today, I accept your grace, Christ. I accept your salvation in my life. I accept the future that you have for me. I know that you are the name that I need because only salvation is found through you. And I need your grace. But something else I found is this. As I walk through the life of a Christian, I need his grace every day. There's some things that I say that I shouldn't say. There's some things that I do that I shouldn't do, and I need the grace of Jesus Christ on my life. I need to give it, and I need to be willing to receive it and say, God, 
I don't completely understand grace and why you would even love everybody that you love, including me. But you told me to, so I am going to do that and proclaim your name. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for this amazing time and these amazing people. And our heart is bowed to you in this moment. And our prayer is simple. For the person who doesn't believe that this morning they would receive your grace through your sacrifice on the cross. That as we celebrate July 4th and Independence Weekend, that we would truly step into the freedom that you have for us. Father, as hearts are bowed and people contemplating this decision, whether in their auditorium here with us, or whatever device they're streaming by, Father, that they would accept that true grace this morning, that they would say, you become my Lord and Savior. I accept you. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Now let me live the life that honors you. That is the first step to allowing the Holy Spirit to being in you and around you. And Father, for us as believers, our, our hearts are simply bowed because we know we need grace. We're not perfect. We know we need you. So Father, help us to not only realize that we receive grace, but we need to walk in it. And that just because we need it doesn't mean we're failures. Doesn't mean that we're worthless. Doesn't mean that you don't have great things for us. It just means we fully recognize that we need you in every day. If you're here this morning and you haven't made that decision to follow Christ, I want to give you that. It's you coming to that place where you say, Christ, come into my life this morning. I surrender. I want to walk in that freedom. If you're on the other side of the camera, you get a hold of us and let us know. We want to teach you more about Christ. If you're in the auditorium and that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. It's a brave thing to do. Just as I talk, just slip up your hand and say, that was me, man. I, I made that decision today. We want to connect with you. We want you to know that we love you. If you're a Christian in the house and as you sit there and contemplate, I know my hand's up in the air. God, I just need more grace. I need to give more grace. I need to receive more grace. God, I want to walk fully in the Holy Spirit and all the things that I know that I can accomplish. If that's you, would you just stick your hand up even as I speak? That's me, God. Just a little more grace. Would you stand up with me all across the auditorium? I'm gonna ask my altar workers to come forward because I never wanna miss an opportunity that if you want special prayer, we're down here for you. And if you raise your hand for any situation, we want you to know that we wanna be here to pray with you and we wanna be here to love on you. If you need a little bit of help, hey, we're here. But this is what I'm gonna ask is, as you feel free just to come forward, I want you to reach over if you're comfortable, grab your neighbor's hand. We're gonna pray for each other this morning as we pray at the front. And we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would just have its way in our life. That the Spirit of God would speak to us. That the Spirit of God would show us. And that if any areas that we lack in, God, just let us have that unity. 
Let us have that power. Let us have that honor because we want everything, Holy Spirit, that you have for us. If you feel comfortable, you can stretch your hands to heaven, raise your voice, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you this morning for what you're accomplishing, God, in the seats and at the altar. Thank you this morning, God, that you've given us the opportunity to be like John, God, to be like Peter and be filled with your Holy Spirit. Be filled and be able to say the things that we need to be able to say to bring people closer to you, to be able to have the words on our mouth, to be able to walk in unity, God, to be able to honor Father, to walk in boldness. And Father, that we may expand your kingdom, that souls would be saved, families would be restored by your mighty hand. That's the reason why we do what we do. So Holy Spirit, we're asking just for an infilling in our lives. Surround us, speak to us. Holy Spirit, we don't want to put any walls up or close any doors that would keep you from having your way. Holy Spirit, fill our minds and fill our hearts. Lead us and guide us and direct us, God, for what you've called us for. And Father, as we pray for the person to our right and to our left, we just declare blessings over them. We declare that their ears are open to you to speak to them, that their hearts are receptive, that God, that the windows above them are open and you're waiting to pour out those blessings, God. And we're here to receive them as we hear from you, Holy Spirit as we cry out for you. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we ask these great things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, can you say amen? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.